And I'm thankful for, for what he does with our young people. I thank you for what he does for our, in our music. But not only that, what he does on ladders and, and all the other many things he gets himself into. And um, I've asked him a while back to share a word on one of our family days, and today is that day. So I'm looking forward to what God has spoke into him. Amen. Thank you. Appreciate you. Good morning. I've got to go get my little surprise. I have prepared something for some of you, but it could be for any of you. We all know what this is. This is not the surprise, but it is a balloon. And uh, as we move through the message this morning, hopefully it becomes clear why I'm holding the balloon. Um, but before we begin, I want to quickly introduce myself. My name is Joshua. Uh, I love Jesus. I hope that is my primary identity. Um, when I was young, a uh, young pastor, didn't really know much of anything other than you're supposed to love God and love people. I was praying and I asked God, what, what do I need to do? I mean, they prayed for me. They even poured oil on my head. Thankfully, it wasn't a whole vat. It was just a few drops. Um, and so I, I was spending this time in prayer. I was trying to figure out, okay, now what? What should I do now that I'm a youth pastor? And I felt the Lord interrupt me in my heart and say, you're, you're not a youth pastor. I said, what? Uh, yes, I am. And now I want to clarify, God doesn't talk to me conversationally. I sense his voice in my mind and heart, and I'm just interpreting for you. Does that make sense? I've met a few people who've heard his audible voice. Never happened to me. Maybe one day. I will, when I see him face to face, amen, I will hear his audible voice all the time. be no big deal, but it will be wonderful in the same way. But I'm having this conversation with the Lord in my heart. I said, well, then finally, I don't, I'm not getting anywhere. So I asked the question, well, then what am I? And I felt the sweetness of God and the tenderness of his fatherhood say, you're my son. Pastoring is what you do. My son is who you are. And here's what I love about identity as family. It doesn't matter what our position is. It can all go away in a moment, but you cannot take away from me that he's my dad. I'm his child, and he has called me, and his spirit bears witness with my spirit that I am his child. And I hope to remind you of the gift, who you are in Christ. You are his child. You are the little brother and the little sister of the man Jesus of Nazareth. He's the firstborn among many brethren. God is your Father. Jesus taught us to pray, Our Father who is in heaven. It starts right there with identity, knowing we are His, and no one can take that from you. Amen? Let's read from the book of Hebrews, chapter 11, verse 6. Many of you are familiar with this verse. It says, But without faith, it is impossible to please Him, God, for he who comes to God must believe that he is or that he exists 
and that He is a rewarder of those who diligently seek Him. Children, young people, young at heart, first of all, I want to honor you for being here. You could have been anywhere. And I appreciate you. When I look around and I see your face, for many of you, I'm reminded of moments we've had together. For some, I'm looking forward to getting to know you better. But I'm glad you're here. And I celebrate your presence with the body. It means a lot to me. I know it means a lot to the Lord because He loves family. And you can't do family by yourself. Where two or three are gathered, there I am in the midst of them. Family of God bears witness to the Trinity of God. God is family, right? He identifies Himself as Father, Son, and Spirit. And when we gather as the family, we identify ourselves as image bearers of Him. I didn't plan on saying any of that. But praise God for it. Love you, Lord. Let's pray. Father, you are good. Every good and perfect gift comes from you. In you there's no variation or shadow of turning. God, in you is light. And that light is the life and the light of men. Lord, your light shines in the darkness and darkness cannot overcome it. Cannot extinguish it. It can't even understand it. And I pray that the light of your gospel truth would penetrate our hearts in a fresh and a new way that would cause us to leave and to live different. Amen. The Bible teaches us to give honor where honor is due. So first of all, I want to honor you, Pastor Tim, the man that is sometimes in the shadows but loves this church. He's been faithful to this church. Love you. And I honor you as well, Trish. You're awesome. She does so many things that are not credited to her publicly, but the Lord sees, and he values it. Where are you at, Pastor Brian? Are you still here? There he is. Pastor Brian, I want to honor you and your wife, Faith. I appreciate the dedication that you have given to this position. I know we pay you a lot of money. That's a joke. It's a joke. But we appreciate you, and I know your reward is great in heaven for uh, all of those unseen things that you do. Um, Pastor Paul and your family, all of you, um, I've really enjoyed getting to know you guys. We had no idea what we were getting. We had no idea what we were going to do. We had lost our beloved Herschel. Why did you leave? We were all angry, mad, frustrated. But let me tell you, we have a great gift in this family. And I honor you. And I appreciate you. And, uh, you know, fellow pastors would talk to me and say, hey, it's going to be all right. And I wasn't worried. I was just a little bit concerned. I didn't know who was going to be next in the seat, and uh, I'm grateful. I'm grateful for all of you, and uh, I believe that the culture of the kingdom is a culture of honor. Let another man praise you and not your own mouth, a stranger and not yourself. I love to lift other people up, 
And I encourage you to do the same thing. Make your life about lifting others up. If you have kids, you have no choice. (laughs) They'll make you lift them up. And then when you have spiritual children, the same is true. Anyway, let's get into our message. Uh, I'm going to read it again. But without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must, listen to that word, must believe that he is or that he exists. And, not or, and that he is a rewarder those who diligently seek him. I love this passage. For me, it, it just opens up my inquisitive mind, my little analytical mind, and it's like, rewarder, you say? Hmm. What's the value of the reward? You know what I mean? So, someone asks you for a favor, and they attach a, and I'll pay you. The first question in my mind is not, what's the favor? The first question in my mind is, what's the cost? Then tell me the favor, and I'll decide whether it's worth it. Okay, right? And that's not always the case, but I'm just saying, when there's a word rewarder, there's a reward hidden beneath that word, and I'm excited to explore just a little bit. Our God, the great reward. He is the reward And in that reward, he lavishes his children with good gifts, right? Isn't that what what Jesus taught us? If we ask for bread, will he give us a stone? If we ask for fish, will he give us a serpent? If you being evil, ow, Jesus, evil, that's what he said, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more? Will the Heavenly Father give good gifts, as it says in the book of Luke, the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? All right. I also have this box. Many of you know what we do with Operation Christmas Child. Um, it is $9 per box to ship these out. Uh, you may grab one of those envelopes and help us knock that out. I would be deeply grateful, and I know... Um, Young people, like the ones we saw whose names I cannot pronounce, will also be grateful. But today we're going to use this box. I wanted it to be a reminder as well for you. But we're also going to use this box. This is a box of rewards. This applies to any age, but I would encourage you, young people, if you're interested in getting a reward from this box, listen closely. Because not yet, but as soon as I say we're starting, I haven't yet. Every time you hear me say the word reward, the first one to give me a high five gets something from this box. And there are cool things in this box. You can sit as close as you want. You can sit right there. Okay, but you got to sit i got to have at least room for shoulder-length feet. Okay. Wow. Okay. I might have to move this sermon 
and make it mobile. All right, so listen closely. What's the word? Reward. Very good. Oh, we got one. Good job, buddy. He just he just got a. Let's say it together again. Without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is, or that he exists, and that he is a. I didn't say it. I didn't say it. Of those who diligently seek him. Very good. Is anyone seeing a living analogy right now? Okay, I was hoping that this would happen, but I was imagining them maybe here or on the front row. This kind of, is, is this what I wanted? But it went, <laughs> went farther than I expected. So, let's move on. A.W. Tozer, everyone say theologian. Theologian is someone who studies God essentially for a living. Can you imagine if your job was just to think about God, talk about him, write about him, study about him? That is some people's job. I would say it's what, 50-50 your job? Just to, you know, pastoring's a little different because you also have to study people <laughs> and God. But a theologian dedicates themselves to learning about God, and he said something I think is very important. And I'm going to read a little bit of his quote. It's a little bit hard to follow, but I want you to try to follow with me. What comes into our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about him. I'm going to say that again. What comes into our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. So when you think about God, what comes into your mind? Go ahead, shout them out. Love. What else? What comes into your mind? That he gives prizes? Oh, no? He's caring? He's God? What did you have to say? Oh, nothing. Okay. But I want to encourage you to really set your mind and heart to have right thinking about God. Because God And he gives rewards. Oh, got a high five right here. I was holding a balloon. That doesn't count. There you go. Watch this. Wait. There it goes. That's pretty cool. You never know which side it's going to be on. You just got to be on your toes. All right. All right. You got to sit down, though. Sit down. Okay. Well, you got to be ready. Figure of speech, but you got me with that one. Okay, so is God good? It's easy to say, right? But do we believe that God is good when things aren't going good? It's a little bit harder, right? Are his arms crossed? Is he waiting for us to fail? Are his arms open, waiting to catch us when we fall? Oh, thank you for the high five. Another one doesn't do anything, though. I didn't say the words. <laughs> practice. We'll practice. 
I don't remember saying it. Did I say it? Yes. No. No, I didn't say it. Are you trying to trick me? No. Okay. All right. God is good. He loves us. And when we have an accurate picture of the God we serve, we won't sit far away from him. Because we know he has good gifts for us. Because he is a... I, I didn't say anything. I didn't. It's true. But it was close. Now, since you're here, this is for you guys. You guys can listen to, but I'm talking to them. I wanna, I'm going to scoot back. I'm not going to say the word in the next two minutes, okay? So you're good. All right, just listen. I want to tell you something really cool. Did you know that statistically, most of you test on the genius level when it comes to imagination and creativity. Did you know that? Recently, NASA hired some big fancy, uh, I don't even know what their title was, but one of them was a doctor. And they wanted to study what made the engineers and you know the, the smart people at NASA, they're the ones that shot the space shuttle and the rockets up in, in the sky, put a man on the moon, they go to the space station that orbits the Earth, very smart people that work at NASA. They wanted to study why are these people so smart? What is it about them that makes them so smart? And this is what's really cool. After they studied that, they found, okay, there's a common thread with these people who are hyper-intelligent, super-intelligent. But they thought, where does it start? Is it genetics? Is it some that have it, they're born with it? Or is it different? And so what they did is said, you know what? We're going to give the same test, edit, you know, change it a little bit, to four- and five-year-olds. And we're going to see if we can draw some correlations between who are the geniuses in creativity and imagination and who ends up, you know, doing these really cool jobs. And you know what they found? Out of the 1,600 children that were given this study, 1,600 that's a big sample size. If you are a scientist, physicist, whatever, it's a very big sample size, right? It takes a, like, a lot of the guesswork. I mean, if it was 10, eh, not so good. 100 would be pretty good. 1,600 is phenomenal sample size. And they found that of those 4- and 5-year-olds, 98% tested genius level. 98%. In, in the area of creativity and imagination, the part of your brain that activates to cause humanity to do great things, 98%. They were so fascinated by these findings that they decided to stay with these 600, 1,600 children and track them to see what would happen in the future. Five years later, they repeated the same study on these 1,600 children, and sadly, only 30% tested at genius level. Fast forward to about graduation, down to about 12% of those original 98% still tested at genius level when it came to creativity and imagination. And finally, they tested them as adults. Uh, and guess where we were at? 
2%. There was a few that hung on. <laughs> I'm not going down. 2%. So it flip-flopped. We went from 98% to 2%. Went from the rule to the exception. We went from everyone, pretty much, being a genius and imaginative and creative, like all of you are, to almost no one. That's sad to me. That breaks my heart. But yet I see it all the time. I see it every time a child's heart is broken or their dream is crushed. I see it when by the time a child is 18 years old, they've heard the word no 150,000 times on average. And they've heard the word yes only 5,000. 30 times more no's than yeses. We're stifling their creativity with conformity. We're turning them from creative, limitless individuals into safe, compliant ones. And I believe we're robbing this earth of what God wants to reward us in our children. We're robbing this earth. Oh, you got me. Good job. Awesome. That's fun. Okay. Don't worry. There's still more left. The box is still, it's still got plenty of stuff in there. But you have to sit. You've got to be sitting. It's, it's no sneaky business. I can't promise that. I've actually have sneaky business highlighted in these notes. All right. And for you parents especially like us, of young children, and the messes never stop, the questions will not cease, and oh, you're just, just, just keep trucking. It, it mellows out, sort of. You get new challenges. But God wants us to steward this creativity and these incredible gifts. Sit down. I haven't, I haven't said it yet. Okay. Isn't this awesome? And as fun as this is, I want you to see, sit down. When we accurately understand that our God is a rewarder of those who diligently seek Him. Woo! Hey, are you okay? That was awesome. That was really cool. <laughs> she jumped in the air to do it. We will have the same excitement. Your genius is not gone. It's just been stifled. You can reactivate that part of you that God created to be awesome in this world by saying with him nothing is impossible for those who love him, who believe just even with a mustard seed. Anything is possible. And for you 2% that have somehow held on, God bless you. We got one in the crow's nest. Self-proclaimed genius, the best kind. All right. Now. 
Let's talk about this balloon. I've been holding this for a while. I think it's time we talk about it. You see, in my pocket, I also have a balloon. What's the difference between these two balloons? But how do you know? Can you see the air? No, I, I know because you blow the air. Oh, you blow air. Okay. Oh, here, hold on. Blow it inside. Didn't work. You have to blow more air. More. Put it in my mouth. That's dangerous. I'm not doing that again. I need I need better instruction. Air hose. What do I do? The air hole. Oh, thank you. Okay. Now. Oh, I got to hold on to it and blow at the same time? Yeah. And put it in my mouth, but only the air hole. Yeah. Okay. It works. I'm a genius. Yeah. Now they're both the same, right? No. This one's fatter? What happened? You didn't, you didn't tie it. Oh. Before or after I blow it? Okay. Let me see if I can try this again. Are you guys having fun? Yeah. Okay, good. Oh, you want a prize? Okay. You all want prizes? Oh. Well, you got to be quick then. Okay, so now they're the same, right? Well, okay, they're not exactly the same. Anyway, feel free. Just you got to stay seated, but you can play with them. Balloons are fun, and evidently, blowing up a balloon is harder than I thought. I know you do. You know, I want all of you to have a prize, but it's not possible, but I'm glad you're here, and um, in fact, if you uh, see me after this little talk, um, I'll make sure that all of you get some sort of prize. Fair enough? Sound good? You know why? I love to give rewards. Oh, yeah! Woo! All right, be nice with this, okay? You're welcome. I love y'all. Self-inflating. Even better. They're much more durable. Oh, hello, young lady. Love you. All right, now, let's move on. I don't have all day, but this is, I'm having a blast. Even though I don't finish these notes, this is way better than I imagined. I'll take a high five. It's, it's. All right, so let's break down Hebrews 11:6 again. Back to the verse. 
It is impossible to please God without faith, correct? Impossible is a big word, so we need to have lots of faith. Now, the writer of Hebrews gives us two keys to faith. One is believing God is who he says he is. At face value, I, the Lord, am a good God. Okay, I believe you. Thank you. Thank you. Appreciate that. I love high fives. I got more high fives today than I probably have in the last week. Take another. Thank you. All right. The second part of faith. All right, everyone sit down. That was our deal. Okay. Um, the second part of faith involves God giving us good gifts when we seek him. Right? What's the word? True. That is the word. Now, next, I'm going to need some help from an adult. Sorry, guys. You technically could help me, but I don't have any faith that you can. I need one adult that has at least a $20 bill. You will get it back. I will protect it. I will protect it. Probably. At least a 20. I have, oh, wow. Oh, man. Y'all are awesome. I'm good. I'm good. I got tempted there. Just calm it down. Calm it down, heart. It's not yours. I want everyone to look at these two bills. Thank you. Did you all know that for a few years I was a children's pastor? Yeah. And uh, so this, I'm at home. Uh, I, lo I love this. I hope you love it. I want our children to love being with us. Amen? Yeah. I want them to be excited to come in the morning. And Pastor Brian, Faith, I love you guys. They do this every week. You guys are just seeing a little bit of what they do all the time. And I, I love children's pastors. I love the job. Sit down. Sit down. Thank you. We're going to look at these bills. We've got a 20. We've got a 1. Are they the same? Why not? They, they're made from the same exact paper. They both have faces of deceased people on them. Presidents, okay. Um, they both have numbers. In fact, they both have those special little symbols. Why are these different? Oh, they don't have the same number. So, which one would you rather have? This one or this one? Are you sure? I'm not going to give away your money. Just an example. <laughs> Here, let's put it in the box. Kidding, kidding. <laughs> now, what if I was to give you ten of these instead of just one of these? Which one would you, would you rather have ten of these? There you go, yes, yes. You'd rather have one of these than ten of these. Why? Because this, it equals twenty of these little bad boys, right? Just one. Who 
assigns the value of these two basically identically made Congress. Come on, brother. He said Congress. You know, the House of Reps does control the budget. He's, he's right on. And they are Congress. For our analogy today, I'm going to say the creator of the money assigns its value. Is that true? I don't assign it. I just believe it by faith. You get where I'm going? I believe that I would rather have one of these than even 19 of these. In fact, the cashier believes it too. We all believe it because we've all accepted this system of buying and selling trade. And we all are willing to buy in and believe together as one, as one nation, that this is worth more than this. It does not make any sense without faith. Without faith, it is impossible to understand money. And guess what? If you don't have faith in money, um, I've got a drawer full of ones. I would gladly, I'll, we'll do some exchange, and you'll end up with more bills at the end of the exchange. I'll, I'll, I'll take just a few of the, you know, you know, a few of the Franklins, and you can have like 50 of the Washingtons. No big deal. Generous. I'm generous. No, but we need to believe in a God who rewards. When we believe that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him, oh, wow, you got another prize. It's only fair. I got a reward. There you go, buddy. Oh, this one? Thank you. All right. Thank you. When we truly believe that he is a rewarder, oh, man. All right, I've only got two more prizes, so I'm going to clean this up. God rewards. Oh, all right. You didn't get a reward? Oh, man. All right, guys, we're all out. You're welcome to stay up here if you want, but you don't have to. I give those to you. Be careful eating those. And uh, who won this? You sure did. All right. If you want to stay, you may. We'll go ahead and sit down. But uh, I'm sorry, the box is empty. Um, but I love y'all, and thank you for making this one of my favorite sermons I've ever preached. There you are. Thank you so much. <clears throat> but if you stay up here, you got to sit down. That's that's my deal. Oh, excuse me. Here we go. All right. Don't bop more than four people in the face. Thank you. All right. Are we good? I'm going to try to wrap this up here in a few minutes. God sees everything. And what is your first inclination when you hear that? Is it, or is it, yes. And that will tell you about how you see the Father Probably more than anything. Because if we truly believe in Jesus, we believe that he cast our sins as far 
east is from the west. That he remembers them no more. He throws them in the sea of forgetfulness. And they're gone. The only trace of our sin left is in the damage it's done on earth, unfortunately. And right here, in our minds and the minds of those we know. But according to Scripture, He cast them away. Jesus doesn't just cover our sin, although He does. He extinguishes them. If anyone is in Christ, He is a new. Does it say improved? Say better version of yourself? It's brand new. The old is gone. The new has come. Well, then why do we spend so much time falling back into the old? Because we remember it. Because of those memories, we feel shame. Others remember it. Sometimes they remind us. But he doesn't remember it anymore. One of my favorite stories about one who I believe truly connected with this good God who loves his children. Um, we're going to watch a very short video clip. It's one of my favorite, this is one of my favorite humans to live on planet Earth. His name still is, I believe, but I mean it was because he recently passed. Sir Nicholas George Winton. He was a British humanitarian. He established an organization to rescue children in danger during the beginning of World War II from Nazi Germany. He, he, this person, rescued 669 children from the jaws of death. 669 children. At one point he ran for public office on like city council and he didn't get it. And then for 50 years, no one really heard anything about him. Until one day his wife was in their attic, cleaning, and she found this book. He hadn't even told her about it. And in this book were the names of these children, their parents. And his wife, you know, so she was so wonderful, and she actually did a wonderful thing. I'm so glad she did this. She gave that scrapbook to a Holocaust researcher. And that Holocaust researcher then tried to contact these people. She was able to track down 80 of the 669 that he had saved. And uh, that's where the clip we're about to watch comes in. All the letters. But back here is the list of all the children this is Vera Diamant, now Vera Gissing. We did find her name on his list. Vera Gissing is with us here tonight. Hello, Vera. And uh, I should tell you that you are actually sitting next to Nicholas Winton. <laughs> and it was just so wonderful, so terribly, terribly touching. in our audience tonight who owes their life to Nicholas Winton. If so, could you stand up, please?
You must have picked up. <clears throat> I want to read a few of the names of some of the children he rescues. Al Stubbs, born 1932. He was a politician and member of parliament in Britain. Haney Halberstam, a mathematician. Renata Laksova, a pediatric geneticist. Pediatric for children, geneticist. Gerda Mayer was a poet. Carol Rice, filmmaker. Joe Schlesinger, Canadian television journalist and author. Good stuff. Yitzchak Tuvia Weiss, chief rabbi of Ada Hacharitis in Jerusalem. And this is only a few because he was willing to believe that the right thing is the right thing. And it doesn't matter the cost. When we connect our hearts as believers, it's a Jewish man who saw his people suffering, put his life on the line to see someone stop it. If we believe as Christians that our God is good and that he is a rewarder, let me tell you what. We're going to start opening up the gospel. And it's going to be good news. And we're going to see people gather around us, clamoring for the words of truth. You know why? Because there's power in his name to heal, to set free, to deliver. While we're worshiping, I was reminded of Jesus walking on the waves. He had sent his disciples ahead of him. Oh, Peter. You're so sweet. Love you. He had sent his disciples ahead of him. And they were in a tough spot. They couldn't even cross. They were stuck. They were just trying to keep the boat afloat. And sure enough, Jesus is walking on the waves. They think it's ghosts. That's what it says. They're like, ah! And Jesus says, it's all right. And Peter says, Lord, if it's you, tell me to come out and join you. Who thinks of that? I think even Jesus was surprised in that moment. He's like, okay, I will. <laughs> come on. Peter starts to walk on the water, and it says, but as soon as his eyes looked to the storm around him. So Jesus, he began to sink and he cried out, Lord, help me. And Jesus came to him, grabbed his hand, lifted him up, and they walked together back to the boat. And the other 11, he doesn't say much about what they were doing. But I, I can tell you what they were doing. I think it probably took him a couple days just to have a conversation about it. It's like, who is this guy? This is crazy. This is not what I signed up for. <laughs> I thought we were going to, you know, preach a little bit, do a few altar calls, and go have lunch. I didn't know we were going to be. <laughs> Woo! But he is good. You remember, I'm out of prizes, guys. He's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. You can come on up. 
I want to read you just a few verses. We don't have time to unpack them, but I just want you to see who our God is with me. Genesis 15, 1. After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision, saying, Do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield, your exceedingly great reward. Blessed is the man who endures temptation. For when he has been approved, he will receive the crown of life, which the Lord has promised to those who love him. An excerpt from Hebrews 10, 34 and 37. You have a better and enduring possession in heaven. Therefore, do not cast away your confidence, which has great reward. Beloved, now we are children of God. It has not yet been revealed what we shall be, but we know that when he is revealed, we shall be made like him. For we shall see him as he is. That's a reward. Make me like Jesus. Sadly, many of us have believed lies along the way. And it stifled that creative potential that God put inside each one of us. We believed that it would be better to have a safe God than the wild God we worship who walks on the waves and calms the storms with the word. We've accepted the societal standard that we should do this Right here. Do our job. Do it the way we're supposed to do it. Don't worry about this stuff. Instead of wondering and letting our minds just explore the possibility, what could you do today, Jesus, if you were here? And how can I help you do it? Because he is, right? His spirit, the same spirit, the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead, quickens us quickens these bodies. Family member passes. Family might fall apart. Sickness might linger. There's a bad habit you can't seem to get rid of. They whisper in our ear, God's not good. And if he is, he's less good than he says he is. is. He's powerful, but he's too far away to help me. Or perhaps he is perfectly good, but he can't We don't say these things out loud very often unless it hurts real bad. But our actions reveal what we believe about him and about ourselves and our values to this planet. He's made us all to be world changers. All of us. All of us have creative potential hidden inside of us at birth. And the world tells us, ignore it. A thousand times, Edison have ignored the seeming inability to figure this thing out called the light bulb. He could have. He kept going. And finally, let there be light. Now when you talk to Edison, I never have, but I've read about him. He didn't call those thousand times failures. They were opportunities. In fact, he said this. He said, the light bulb was just invented in a thousand steps. They were all steps to get him closer to the idea. What if we could harness the power of electricity to illuminate what if? And then he just went for it. You know, Jesus came to tear the lies down 
I love the, the, the word that was interpreted earlier, that you're worth it. You have value. And when you believe in a good God who loves you, you're going to come close. You're going to not be afraid to come close to him. You might even jump for the high five. Amen. Let's pray. Father, I ask you to heal us. I ask you to teach us. I ask you to cause lies to be silenced in your presence and the truth of your word to be like a heartbeat inside of us reminding us that we are your children. Your arms are wide open. Some of you are already being touched by the Lord. You may feel a warmth, gentle warmth inside of your body. You might just feel a deep breath. There might be something that popped up in your mind that maybe you need to get right with the Lord going to speak to us all in different ways, but I want us to take a moment and allow his work, just a few, few minutes to give birth. And just put your own heart in an attitude of worship to him. Dre, you could sing or play whatever you'd like. Listen to the Spirit.